Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hour two of the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, Travion Berkland. Phone number is 537-1350. On with you until 6 o'clock. And that's when we'll begin pregame coverage of the Royals taking on the Toronto Blue Jays from Kauffman Stadium. And first pitch is at 640. Now, we haven't actually had this chance to talk with Trey about this yet. But Trey, for spring break, went to Los Angeles, California. Not for WrestleMania. I believe just went for a vacation, right? Yep, just went for vacation a little break with my dad and you guys went to whiskey a go-go mm-hmm. and i i went to whiskey a go-go last year like a little over a year ago and i've always wanted to go to whiskey a go-go sunset strip very famous music venue in in the united states a lot of hair metal bands got their starts there a lot of bands even not even just hair metal Got their starts at Whiskey A Go Go on on the Sunset Strip. The Doors, Janis Joplin. Yeah. A lot of them. Um, And I got to go to see this band called Fast Time, which is an 80s, what they call themselves an 80s concert experience. It is an experience. They're not just your average cover band. So I've been wanting to know how Travion felt about Fast Times. Did you enjoy them? They were good, but I was kind of distracted the whole time because... Of the Brendan <laughs> Fraser thing, but did you hear about that? I did. Yeah. I did. <laughs> he so, sat next to Brendan Fraser the whole night. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that, yeah, was, that would be Oscar winner Brendan yeah. Fraser all night. <laughs> so yeah, like they were good and stuff. And then actually, Brendan Fraser's son went on stage and performed with them because he plays guitar, I guess. So he was like playing with them a little bit, and um. There was a guy that used to be in Guns N' Roses. He was there too. DJ Aspa or something like that. He he was a guy that was in Guns N' Roses before Slash came back. I don't know who oh, he is. Oh, yeah. The, uh, yeah One yeah. of the transitional guys for yeah. uh, Chinese democracy. Yeah, yeah. He was there, 
and but he was like introducing himself to Brendan Fraser and stuff. He went on stage with them too, but obviously I didn't know who he was. So I was like, yeah. When I was there, nobody special went up on stage. Was there an opening band? There was. I cannot remember who they were though. It was a, a girl band, an all girl band. Oh, it was all was girl. Cool. Okay, yeah. that's not the same band I saw. But so you were too distracted to actually watch the watch Fast Time because I think they put on a hell of a show for a cover band. Like was, they have a whole light show and mm-hmm. yeah, it was really cool. And um, you know, they definitely do way more than a regular cover band would. So that was cool. Um, they are all dressed up in their '80s gear and stuff. The main guy dressed up like Spicoli from right. Fast Times. Nice. Um, yeah, it was cool, but obviously, like you know, I was thinking about Brendan Fraser the whole time because <laughs> you <laughs> just like kind of side eyeing the whole time, not trying to be too weird. We didn't ask for a picture or anything because we didn't want to be those guys. I hear you. Um, he talked to us a little bit. He was nice. Um, we were at the Lakers game the Sunday before, so we talked about that a little really? bit. Really? Who mm-hmm. did the Lakers play? Um, the Knicks and the Knicks won. Is LeBron, is LeBron James out still? No, he's back. Okay. Yeah, he was sitting out when we were there, though, because of his ankle or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and at the Laker game, um, Spike Lee was there for the Knicks, so like we were like in the... I don't know, the kind of the second concourse kind of area, and you could still see the floor and stuff. So Spike Lee was, like, right there. And then Denzel Washington came in, and he sat next to Spike Lee, and they talked, you know, so that was cool. So what you're saying is, like, of all these things you were doing, you were just on Celebrity Watch the whole time? The first three days was, like, there was a lot of that, it seemed like, but after that, not so much. A lot of elbow rubbing going on here. Flea was at the Laker game, too, from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Sure. Um, and then the only other day that we saw another celebrity was we went to Jimmy Kimmel Live on um, Man, that Tuesday. Did a lot. <laughs> and Seth Rogen was the first guest. But I was so mad because they don't tell you who's going to be the guest before the week of. And if we got the Wednesday instead of the Tuesday, we could have saw Dave Letterman. And I was like, dang it, you know. Because that would have been really cool. That would have been. Yeah. um, I mean, I went to a David Letterman taping when I lived in NYC, mm -hmm. but I'm sure the Kimmel show was really cool. And Seth Rogen, actually, when I was at the Stern show, I missed out. There were two celebrities I didn't get to meet, and that was Seth Rogen and and, uh, Jonah Hill. Okay. And they came in at separate times. If you missed it on the uh, Oscars, by the way, Kimmel told a very good joke in regards to the fact that that you had... uh, Rogan sitting a row and off to the side back of Steven Spielberg. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it was just a joke about the two of them and, and how it, they represented Hollywood. Right. What, what other cool things did you do? Um, that Wednesday we went to Disneyland uh, and hung out and did some stuff. And then um, mostly kind of just drove around to look at things. And then, cause my dad's never been to LA before. So I was about to ask because, you know, it, you know, you probably ran into some traffic on the four Oh five at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, at but I've, times. Always, I've always thought like the four Oh five, like if you're able to stay off of that, the traffic isn't that bad. Yeah. There's a few times when we would just drive through the main city part without going on the highways. And then the main, I mean, it's faster sometimes, but then it's also not like you can well, save yeah. like five minutes if you just drive through the main parts of town anyways. But. Well, and plus you're not bumper to bumper and you're not waiting for a spot to clear up. Maybe right. if you're trying to get off the highway, mm-hmm. yeah, it can be a huge pain. Right. Um, and we stayed in um, around the Venice Beach area. So like every time we would go to the main downtown, it was like 45 minutes or an hour, depending on how much traffic there was. Um, 
But I mean, otherwise, it was pretty like easy to kind of drive through town. I mean, the highways are a little intense there, obviously compared to here. But I mean, not too bad. What did, what song did uh, Fast Times open up with? I don't even remember. How can I tell you? He was too. <laughs> he was too starstruck. Starstruck. <laughs> he was Gaga over Brendan Fraser. Uh, yeah. Was, well, I'm glad you had cool. a good time. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, it was neat. So you did, you did whiskey a go go. You did a Lakers game. You did Jimmy Kimmel, mm-hmm. Venice Beach. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got Disney. A pre- yeah, Disney Land. You got the a pretty solid experience. Much better experience than a lot of people get. Yeah. Did you go to a Hollywood sign or anything? Uh, we saw it from um, Hollywood Boulevard, but yeah, we didn't like, drive up there. Yeah. We tried to go yeah. to the Griffith Observatory, but like, there's like no parking, and you have to park like on the side of the hill, and like there were so many people there, there was no way we were gonna do it. Um, it was crazy, but uh, we went to Universal Studios on that Friday too. Um, it, it, this vacation doesn't end. <laughs> That's for, they that's, spent thousands of dollars. I, I, here, here I am planning for a vacation that essentially is just a complete getaway from everything for the most part. Right. Vacation coming up. Meanwhile, you know, Trey is sitting here and giving us <laughs> the entire travelogue of L.A. Like he he went to Los Angeles and he did everything. Yes. Yeah. He he tried to get in everything. That's awesome. I wanted to make because like my dad doesn't like get out of the state that often and he's never gone to LA before I kind of wanted to show him around to like all the main stuff that you at least a lot of people can at least say they went to this or that or whatever he got the whole experience so I'm glad would you go back yeah of course yeah would you live there I don't think I would live there (laughs) the homeless problem is really bad there right now it's absolutely insane as I say did you get a chance to see Skid Row (laughs) did everything not 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 the band actual Skid Row (laughs) yeah but like there's an insane like problem like where there's yeah. just tents everywhere like i i've been to la before and it was never this bad you know i don't know what they need to do but that was the most interesting thing could have a nice weather mm, yeah that would that people. would rank one one of them yeah portland is also turned into a really bad situation oh yeah in regards to homeless as well hmm. All right, let's get to uh, Joe Klanderman, K-State defensive coordinator. Had a press conference earlier today. Let's hit some of these highlights uh, that I picked out. I thought they were the highlights to play back. Kind of get you the gist of what was talked about earlier today. That's, of course, the defense. And what they're trying to figure out with this spring ball is to develop the depth. Of the world, the Austin Moores of the world, the guys that have played a tremendous amount of football, the Khalid Dukes, the Nate Matlack, some of those guys were not taxing as much. We're trying to find those guys that are going to play around them and then try to find the best combination of guys. There's other guys that have played a little bit. VJ Payne's of the world that we're trying to tax those guys mentally by maybe trying them at a couple of different positions and uh, seeing what kind of stress load they can handle. Yeah, throw them into the fire. Let them have experience at different positions and you know, find out, try to find out earlier, separate some men from the boys. See who's ready to go, still see see who needs some development. It's kind of like the offensive line. You don't have to practice like crazy, like what Coach Klanerman said, the Khalid Dukes. I should, I keep, I'm supposed to say Khalid. It's not Khalid, technically. His real name is Khalid Duke. But the Daniel Green, Austin Moores. Uh, and, of course, they're still dealing with some injuries. You know, Kobe Savage will be back for the fall. But... It reminds me of last year a little bit where a lot of the starting positions have been figured out. One of the starting positions that has, well, really not been figured out is 
the Sam linebacker position. At Sam right now, we've got a heck of a battle going on between Des Purnell, who's been sensational, Jake Clifton, who's been sensational, who we've tried around at a bunch of different spots, and so he's kind of starting to get into that fight a little bit. And Toby Asensami, who is just starting, and he's going to be a phenomenal player, uh, and we'll find a role for him. He's just so incredibly athletic. And hearing those names, none of them surprise me at all. I think those are the names I wanted to hear when it was brought up on who could potentially battle for not just a spot to play Sam Linebacker, potentially start. Because that is a spot that is open. There's not very many starting positions, I would say, right now are completely wide open. Sam Linebacker, though, is an example. Reason is because is Khalid Duke. He is going to be now back to defensive end full-time. You're replacing a lot on that defensive line, especially at end with Felix Andy D.K. Uzama, an NFL defensive end who has left early, and Khalid Duke is probably going to slide into that role. And I also feel like you know Khalid Duke will get noticed more if he plays defensive end. He's down in a, you know, a three- or four-point stance. He's able to blast and try to get around the corner with his speed and athleticism and go sack a guy. I mean, would he play defensive end earlier this year? He played one game, you know, primarily a defensive end, and he had three sacks in the game. He's going to get noticed a lot more. People, I don't think, noticed him as much, even though he made plays at the outside linebacker position. He made plays, but just wasn't as noticed as much. He'll be noticed a lot more at defensive end where he'll now be playing full-time. He looks really natural (laughs) doing what he's doing right now. He's so explosive. He's in a little bit of a limited role this fall because our our goal is not to stress the guys that have played a lot of ball. It's to stress the guys that haven't yet. It's been a long time. not on everybody's memory, but, you know, going back to to 2021, I mean, Khalid is a a dangerous, dangerous dude at defensive end. I mean, he's got uh, incredible rush ability. He's got very heavy hands. He's tough, gets off blocks really well. I mean, he's going to pick up, hopefully, where Felix left off last year. At the nose guard position, Eli Huggins, D. Hintz are both out. So now you're looking to replace you know, a couple of guys, of course, on the two deep. We know about Javon Banks, who has transferred in from Mississippi State. He's, he's come here to look for a bigger role. And Klanderman said that he's been a pleasant surprise. Still up and coming, doing a better job from Manhattan High is Damian Eli Leo. And we're going to see him on the field this fall. But some of that has really improved Uso Sayamalu. Uso's thing is not uh, uh, size and strength. I mean, it's Uso's thing is just can we keep him under, you know, 800 pounds. And he is uh, so quick and so explosive. And I think Coach Tui's done a marvelous job with him because he's gotten away with just being the best player on the field everywhere he's been. And I think what Coach Tui is doing with him is is teaching him technique and pad level and hand placement and formation recognition. And I think he's come a long way in that. Man, those Samoans slash Hawaiians, I shouldn't say slash, like, you know, Hawaiians and Samoans, mm-hmm. uh, they're either in really good shape or they're big. They're big people. Um, look at the uh, the Samoans, the wrestling dynasty, Samoan family with The Rock, Roman Reigns. They're either really jacked or really big guys. Um, but Uso is a dog. Javon Banks has been a pleasant surprise again, what Clarenman said earlier. That's another battle that will be taking place this spring and into the fall to determine one, two, and three of that depth. Meanwhile, at corner, obviously replacing two professional football-type players, Julius Brintz and Echo Boido, not exactly trying to find the next two of those guys. Right now, it's by committee. 
it's not because we don't have two guys that are alphas. I think it's because we've got several guys that are alphas. I think that uh, Will Lee, as a transfer guy, is getting more and more comfortable. He'll have a big role in that. Same kind of thing. Will just still not quite certain about how we do things, but he is flashing. Jacob Parrish has kind of been steady Eddie. His biggest deal is he's put on a significant amount of weight, and I think for the first couple practices, he was learning to deal with that, and I think since he started to feel a little bit more comfortable with his body, I'm noticing him more and more out there. Um, Omar Daniels has been, you know, a guy that has seen snaps. You know, I mean, there's a, there's a number of guys there, Darrell Jones, Jordan Wright, that are all good enough to play in the Big 12. And then finally, your quarterback at, uh, at linebacker. Your Mike linebacker, and Daniel Green is back. But after the Sugar Bowl, was not expecting him to come back, and neither were the coaches. When Daniel Green announced that he was coming back, the coaching staff was very surprised. We had never really had tremendous dialogue with him about it, but every kind of hint that he had had was, hey, I'm going to see what happens at the next level. You know, So it was totally unexpected. But when it, when it came out, I, I mean, i got to tell you, that was I think me and my wife went out to dinner that night. A celebration. It's a joke. But uh, it was big time. It was, it was awesome. It was, it was incredibly unexpected, but it was, um, it's such, he's such a leader for us and such a difference maker and such a vocal guy and a presence in the locker room and, I mean, just the face of the program. He's, 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 he's outstanding. Now, when you look at the, the, the roster right now and who will most likely play a linebacker this year, Daniel Green, Austin Moore, Mike and Will, linebacker starters, uh, you know, uh, Terry Kirksey, who transferred in, who's going to play Desmond Purnell, Gavin Forche, Toby Osunsami, Jay Clifton, Alex Van Wy, who also transferred in. Klanderman said this is the best linebacker room he has had since being at K-State. From an experience standpoint, knowledge of scheme standpoint, and, and, and you know, I dare say from a leadership standpoint also. I mean, those guys are just um, incredible. You know, when you talk about the Austin Moores, the Daniel Greens, but then you take some of these young guys into the mix, too, that have just incredible ability. You know, Jake Clifton, Toby Asensami, and then guys like Des Purnell, who are, you know, found a, a role last year and have gotten so much better and so much more comfortable. You know, and then there's a number of other guys in that room that I'm not mentioning, but that, that is a, a really good source of strength for our defense right now. Yeah, I, you got to be, as a K-State fan, extremely excited about the depth that K-State has in linebacker and hopefully the depth that will develop at the other positions on the defensive side of the football. Going back to what I was talking about earlier in the first hour, Derek Young from K-State Online, I, I personally felt, and, and D.Y. did um, disagree with me a little bit, and it's very rare that we disagree with each other, and it's not a huge disagreement. I just felt like with the return of Daniel Green, the experience that he has, the position that he plays, the Mike linebacker position is considered the quarterback of the defense. So he's your number one leader. With him coming back is a huge difference compared to him not coming back. Even though he is just one guy, he's 24 years old. Hmm. By the time K-State will wrap up its season this next year, He'll be just a week or two away from turning 25. He's an old man with a ton of experience. And sometimes when you're other guys on the defense that maybe not as experienced, you feel more comfortable when you're out there with somebody like him. Because you, you trust him. You trust Daniel Green. And he's only going to get better. And he's looking to make – you know, of course he's looking to make also his film and look – to the scouts is a much more improved player than he was this past year, and I thought he was phenomenal this past season. But having him back when it comes to the trajectory of this defense, to me, is huge compared to if he was not back this next season. 
because he is one that's going to be, when he leaves, a, a tough guy to replace because of all the experience that he does have. Let's continue the uh, linebacker conversation with We Come Back as I will play back the interview earlier today. The media spoke with linebackers coach Steve Standard. It's good stuff. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Up next. Travion, uh, during the break, Troy told me about a talent that he has that he hasn't spoken about before. <laughs> Apparently, uh, Troy is a very strong swimmer. Well, oh. I mean, a strong enough swimmer. I'll put it that way. But, you know, treading water is not that hard of a... I When when I did swimming lessons growing up, I struggled with treading water. I don't know, I don't, I, I don't know why I couldn't get it down. Usually anything, like, when it comes to fitness or anything athletic, when it comes to your some sort of exercise like that, because treading water is definitely an exercise. I'll get the hang of it sooner or later. What are Not we talking water. about when you mean treading water? Like what? Like you you're mean? just you're just floating there and you're moving your and you're arms, just moving your arms and, legs and kicking and your legs. Yeah, yeah. It's when I got exceptionally winded doing that at Lake of the Ozarks in 2014 that I knew something was dramatically wrong. Mm. Did you ever swim like on a club team or anything? No, I never did either. No. We didn't have one. In Holton at the time, so yeah. And I heard you, they like shave their legs and like shave their mm-hmm. entire body. It's like you know what? That's mm-hmm. uh, too much work. Friend of mine who's a doctor up in Onega now uh, did that because he biked a lot, as in racing, uh, racing. Well, anything to uh, eliminate any drag, any way to uh, yeah. add a couple hundreds to a second to your time, hundreds of a second to your time. Mm-hmm. They got to do it. Absolutely. How long do you think it would take you to do a lap today? Oh, When's gosh. the last time you swam? I uh, swam, boy, um, for any length of time, it's been about probably six years. So I'm way out of practice. Did you ever, like, did you compete in any sports growing up? Uh, just localized, did, uh, you know, town team baseball, um, kind of got bullied out of, uh, of, uh, doing high school sports, specifically football, had too many who wanted to, uh, target and it's when you hit them back. Well, okay. Yes. But at a point it's one versus how many, um, there's one and, time and, I played. and let's just say that, uh, in junior high, I had some coaches that weren't exactly the, uh, most uh, most beneficial in terms of a teaching or taking the time to teach, hmm. 
and B, two of them were essentially bullies on top of yeah. everything else. So Small town coaching. You got it. Uh, you'll run into a lot of things. Uh, anyway, what was I going to say? I was uh, awarded a home run one time uh, in Little League Baseball because of one of the fields that, that uh, the field at the time I was playing on, the fence had a gap down the left field line. That it was like it, it was bigger than like a door size gap. Mm-hmm. It was like maybe triple that, and half of it was in fair territory, half of it was in foul territory. I mean, I pulled a line drive down that left field line. So much power behind this hit that it went through the fence, like over through the gap of the fence, and left the yard. And because it actually left the field, they gave me a home run. Nice. I might be the first person to ever hit a home run on the ground. We had just small town team baseball, essentially, uh, where it was the four from the school community, the four little towns, plus uh, Havensville and Onega, uh, not Onega, um, Wetmore, that were joined into our little league that we had. Um, As I was growing up, Jackson Mitchell, who is now grad assistant with K-State Baseball, his granddad was yeah. actually uh, was actually one of my baseball coaches at one point. Um, Jackson's dad is my brother's age, so they were classmates, and so know that family rather well. His his grandmother worked at the same bank my mom did. I believe I'm the most famous person from my class. All right, let's continue this conversation with linebacker talk. We now go to Steve Standard, who spoke to the media earlier today. I thought this was a very good conversation. Here is Steve Stanner, linebackers coach from K-State. Your boss just put pressure on you by saying this is the best group of linebackers they've had at K-State. Do you agree? <laughs> uh, um, you know, can't be more excited about Deuce and, and Austin and, and having uh, Daniel back. was the uh, best phone call I've had in a long time in January when he called and said, Coach, can I, is it okay if I come back? What are you, you going to say, no? You know, oh yeah, of course. Both of them had solid springs. We got two of the better linebackers, you know, I would think, in the Big 12 and those two. And trying to figure out who that third guy is going to be to replace Khalid now that we moved him back to uh, back to defensive end from Sam Linebacker. But Desmond Cornell and Jake Clifton, you know, are doing a really nice job out there. Uh, Jake gives us a ton of flexibility. He is a true freshman. He showed tremendous worth. And he played Sam, Mike, and Will. Uh, got a really good head for the game, and we can be able to uh, plug him in probably at any spot. But right now, he and Des are uh, doing a great job at Sam. How hampered was Deuce last year, entry-wise? You know, he was dealing with, after probably the first or second game, he was kind of a shell of himself with his foot. And even when he came back, he started feeling as good as he ever had. And then he had that hit where he, I don't know, he didn't break ribs, but he tore cartilage in his ribs. So I would say Daniel maybe played two games completely healthy. So that was, I think, the motivating factor. You can ask him, but I think that was a motivating factor for him to come back was he didn't feel like he played his best football, and his best football is still ahead of him. How much does that change for you, having, having him back? I, I imagine quite a bit. Oh, just, just from a, a leadership standpoint alone for our entire team and on the defensive side of the football. But his experience, he's played in both systems, our four down and our three down, and coming back gives him just another year of the 3-3-5. 
and I feel like he's just starting to come into his own. I mean, he really understood the four-down package, and, you know, it takes a minute. And I think his knowledge base, he and Austin, of the 3-3-5 now is uh, outstanding. And they keep me on my toes because they remind me. Uh, both of them take great notes, and they'll go back and flip through their pages and say, Coach, you know, you said two weeks ago we were going to do it this way. And that's good. You love having that in your room. Daniel completely surprised you that he announced he's coming back, or did he hint at you guys that he was thinking no, about it? No, it was a, for us, you know, for months it was he was going to go on and move on, uh, you know, with his career. We were hoping, you know, I was always prodding him to come, please come back. But at the end of the day, we knew it was him and his family's decision and what was best for him. And it was a complete surprise, you know, when he called me. Was he an all-conference linebacker this year? Yeah, I think both he and Austin are all-conference caliber players. Both Daniel and Austin have different skill sets, and they both complement each other very well, and they both push each other, both uh, mentally and physically. We're really fortunate to have, you know, both of those guys in that room. When Deuce is healthy, what does that look like? You know, Daniel is a really a downhill linebacker, meaning uh, the things that we're doing with him right now really causes disruption to the offense. And, you know, he's a big body. You know, he's 247 pounds. And that's the thing for him in this 3-3-5. It's much more uh, of an aggressive downhill attacking defense for the linebackers. You know, you ask uh, Austin and, and especially Deuce, you know, which one they like better. They'll tell you they like this better because just our base stuff allows them to, to pin their ears back. You know, and then Austin, really smart player. He handles a lot of things out the weak side of the defense, both in run and pass. And then Austin, really heavy-handed. It's hard to block Austin, you know, even though he doesn't have the length and the size that Deuce does. I think if you ask the offensive lineman, they might tell you Austin's harder to block than, than Daniel is, but they have different skill sets. Deuce is going to come down and punch you hard. Austin's going to, he's quick. You know, Austin's like uh, Mike Tyson. Having Deuce back also maybe give you a little more time now to develop some of these other guys than you would have had? That's been a lot of the goal this summer, or this this spring. I wish it was summer, but uh, this spring, in that we've kind of limited a little bit of how many reps they're getting. They play a lot of football. You know, I mean, people forget too, Austin's going into his fifth year, and Daniel's going into his sixth year, and so they played a lot of football. And we don't need to pound sand into a rat hole uh, with those two. We get them what they need. Um, and they have certain skills that they want to develop uh, that we're working on, whether it be from a pass rush standpoint or a coverage standpoint. But at the end of the day, it allows us, when they're not out there, to really force feed and give a ton of reps to a plethora of guys that we have right now. You know, we talked about Jake and Desmond, but Toby, Osinsami, and then at Mike, Terry Kirksey. You know, Bo Palmer's not able to go this spring, but Bo will be, you know, in that mix. Uh, Austin Romaine, you know, early enrollee, Gavin Myers. You know, then at the Will linebacker spot, Gavin Forche and Rex Van Wy are getting more reps than they probably want. What's, what's the adjustment been like for those guys in how you practice and the number of repetitions and the speed in which you go, like for a curse. Oh, for a young guy coming in? Oh, yeah. You know what? That's the best. That's one of the best questions someone's asked. You know, because if you stand there and you watch our practice, there probably aren't a lot of programs that operate at the intensity level and the expectation of running to the football like we do and grade it and continually talk to them about it. So I think it is. You know, you can see it in all those new guys' eyes. They think they know what running to the football is, and then we're asking them, 
you sprint to the ball, and then you know they look at you like every snap. Like you bet, you know, in practice, yes, in practice, and so. I think what's really helped young guys coming into the program is the catapult system. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, you know, the catapult is a GPS that is measuring their velocity, how, how many miles per hour they're running, how many hard accelerations they have. And so sometimes in the past it's been kind of subjective. Mm-hmm. You know, and a kid can say, well, the coach is picking on me. Or the coach, you know, he, he's loafing. All you have to do is pull up the data and show it to them. This is how many times, you know, and the load, how much they're running. It's a really valuable tool that we've added to our program. Once again, that's Steve Standard, linebackers coach at K-State. I didn't air it, but I did ask him uh, when it was just us two talking about his son, Max Standard. His son, Max, is a junior at Manhattan High. Uh, who was a part of that football team. He played safety and also was a fantastic punt returner. He had like six or seven non-offensive touchdowns this year. Very promising student athlete as he does want to play football at the next level. Uh, Steve Standard was also very appreciative of what we do here and uh, is very happy about the way Manhattan High School and Manhattan in general has adopted his family as Manhattanites. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the high school level, especially with his son and the way he's been able to fit in. Because he mentioned, like, you know, right as Max was coming into his zone as an athlete, they move mm-hmm. from Syracuse, New York to Manhattan, Kansas, <laughs> and how big of a change that is. But I think Max has fit right in with Manhattan athletics, not only as a football player, but as a basketball player, track runner as well. Uh, let's take a break. A reminder, K-State baseball, or check that, Royals baseball, baseball is coming up at 6 o'clock against the Blue Jays with first pitch at 640. We still have Ask Us Anything, but coming up next, number one song of the day after these words. Reminds me of uh, when Barack Obama was uh, speaking uh, at a charity event at the Apollo Theater. Yep. And he spits out a few bars of this. I'm like, dang, he can actually low key kind of sing. If you need to know what Michelle saw in Barack, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there are things like that that have come to light over time. From 1972, Let's Stay Together by Al Green, one week at number one. Singer-songwriter, record producer, and a pastor from Forest City, Arkansas. Never been there. I didn't feel like it'd be right to talk over that part of the song. No. Um, reading through his bio, 
of Al Green. I kind of enjoyed the story of when he was a teenager, he was kicked out of the house because his very religious father found him listening to Jackie Wilson. <laughs> Jackie Wilson. Yeah. Lonely teardrops higher and higher. Yeah. Like, it doesn't yeah. seem like it's something that scandalous. Different times back then. I was going to say, wait until you talk about Marvin Gaye and his father. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he then lived with a prostitute, started getting into drugs, and then turned things around when he got into, uh, closer to graduating high school, really started getting into music. And now he's known for having one of the best soul-sounding voices of all time. Inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 95. He is a BMI icon, and he also received a Kennedy Center Honors. Rolling Stone said Al Green is the 14th greatest singer of all time. How do you feel about that, Travion? 14th greatest singer of all time, Al Green. I'd say it's deserving. Um, It's kind of high, but... Okay. Because, yeah, it was just ending, so it was an awkward point there. Al Green used to be a very busy guy. 30 studio albums, 14 top 40 hits. This was his only number one. And it's from his fourth album called Let's Stay Together. The song is about, if you could guess, unconditional love, where you're determined to stick it out through the good times and the bad. It used to be a very popular wedding song. I don't know if it still is. Might be like a good reception type of song. When I've DJed weddings, I typically pull this kind of music, older love music, as like the reception music, unless there is specific requests from the bride and groom. Try to stay away from country as much much as I possibly can. As, As you can imagine, I get a lot of bookings to do weddings. Al Green wrote the lyrics. The music was written by Al Jackson Jr. and Willie Mitchell. Al Jackson Jr. uh, was a very famous soul drummer. Now, I I have typically said in a lot of these number one songs of the days, like it just it's songs that just come to their minds. They write it down, then they bang it out the next day in the in the in the recording studio. No, it took over 100 takes. Oh. For Al Green to record this song, and even after it was recorded, he didn't like it. Wasn't a big fan of it. His producer had to convince him, he's like, dog, this is a banger. Release it as a single, you're going to make a lot of money. Guess what, he did make a lot of money. This is also a very famous song for Tina Turner. Because Tina there for a while, after she had left Ike, had a tough time really having that bounce back, right? She put out a couple of disco albums. Those fell flat. It wasn't until in 83 she covered this song and it charted. It was her first charted song in over a decade. It was the comeback for Tina Turner. Mm-hmm. This song went to claim the number one position for Billboard's end of the year chart in 1972. Library of Congress inducted it into its National Recording Registry in 2010. And by the way, Troy, this is also a Rolling Stone Top 500 song. Where do you think it lands? 149. Trey, did you look at it? 
no. I'm gonna guess like it's like in the lower 300s. No, you guys are definitely underselling it. It was a top 100. Okay. 84. In the, in the most recent list? In the most recent list, yeah. the one that was released, I think, last year or two years ago. Travion, if you had a significant other over, is this what you're playing? Not really, no. Well, no, this isn't. Okay, well, this isn't. Okay, let me let me take that back. This isn't like a Let's Get Freaky song. It was back in the day. This is sure. more of. It, it's not quite Barry White. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe back then, yes. It, it's a romantic song. This is more of a, hey, let's stay together. Let's get into that phase on we have headaches, so we're not getting freaky. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Al Green's Greatest Hits is, like, the best album to just lay back and read a magazine to, you know? I don't, I don't know. I can't. If I'm, I don't read. <laughs> but uh, Well, just... Or like, you know, I this was one of the first like albums I ever had, well, the greatest hits of Al Green, and I would always just play like NBA Jam on my Sega and just listen to this and or like Stevie would, Wonder songs in the Key of Life. Okay, interesting right. combo. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say uh, this and NBA Jam weren't. There was a disconnect. Here. I'm thinking like if I'm playing NBA Jam, it's like Rage Against the Machine or something. Uh, if I'm no. playing NBA Jam, it's going to be more along the lines of DJ Rob Bass and or maybe the Space Jam soundtrack. <laughs> I like the chill out, you know. Space Jam soundtrack. No, I, if I'm if I'm playing video games, I'm either just rolling with the soundtrack that comes with the video game, or I'm I'm listening to something a little bit heavier, especially if I'm playing like Call of Duty, something like that. I like to turn the music off and like have the sound effects all the way up, and then have my own music playing. I mean, maybe yes, for playing it, solitaire. I, I was gonna say, but again, for as great as a track as this is, a dichotomy between it and NBA Jam. I was a strange child. Yeah, Travion likes to listen to Adele when he li when he plays Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> Let's not go that far. <laughs> Definitely some Whitney, like Tupac thrown in the mix. Whitney Houston. <laughs> Come on, there's a big difference between like old soul music and like Adele. Like, come on. When Trey's playing Madden, nothing pumps him up more than Bon Jovi. Hey, now listen. I just, won't be doing it. Just because the hoodie is a fan. Is he? Oh, yeah. Belichick. He and bon Jovi? John, he and Bon Jovi oh, are well, tight. Okay. I, 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 can, I, can, I can see yeah, that. Yeah, they're tight. All right. Uh, Trevi, I suppose we'll just keep it here. You get us out when we need to get out. If you're ready to go. Oh, we're, we're done? Oops. Well, I mean, we still. I get it. Okay. Can we squeeze in one quick question? Sure. One quick question. Okay. Just gonna keep this song rolling though. All right. Good call. Uh, do you remember when you logged onto the internet for the first time? And if so, what was the first website you visited? I think the first thing I did was download Yahoo Messenger and got on chat rooms. No joke. <laughs> That's when I found out what an ASL means. Yeah, in my case, it was probably to get Netscape on the computer, so I wasn't having to use Internet Explorer. Troy remembers the days where you got your uh, AOL CD-ROM with a box of Tide. Yes, I do, actually. We yeah. got to go. Go Cats.